We are here for Spartan Up Podcast. A uh, little bit of a unique situation this week. I am in northern Canada where I'm supposed to have met Sephra, Dr. Johnny Waite, and Colonel Tim Nye. None of them have yet to show up. It's like minus 40 outside up here. I don't know why we chose this place to film, but we're here. I'm here alone. I'm sitting on a couch. You know our rule of thumb. Uh, everybody's got to get up and off the couch, but I'm sitting on the couch because I've been freezing outside in the snow for a while. Anyway, this week we're bringing Elizabeth Wheel to, uh, to your... Where, am I, where are we bringing it to? We're bringing it to, to your computer. All right, we are here in California for Spartan Up Podcast with Elizabeth Wheel. Who is Elizabeth Wheel? We're going to find out. For the viewers, get a, get a look at this grass. She cuts the grass with a scissor. It's perfect. <laughs> she is a maniac. Anyway, super runner. Yeah, thank you. Super runner. Your mom was a runner. Mom was a runner. Tell, tell us about your mom. Uh, my mom, she will hate me, but 73 years old, still running marathons. Uh, we started running together when I was in fourth grade so I could learn my states and capitals. And why did she get into running? Uh, really, it was for mental health. Uh, my parents were going through a divorce, and the time, her alone time, um, she started walking and then figured, I don't well, throw on a pair of running shorts and start running. Wow. And so then she hooks you and your friends and everybody on running. Yep, and we started doing 5Ks in the neighborhood with local family friends, and then that turned into our weekend affairs, and then we started doing half marathons together, and that was our Sunday morning time together, and every week we did it. So you look like you're like 30 years old, so did you start oh, at nine, in the 90s? Like when, when did you start? Oh, yes, <laughs> it was actually the end of the 80s. Wow. Did indeed, and uh, my mom started in, in the 80s, way before it was cool for women to be running, too. Yeah, and so um, a lot of people out there are like, well, I can't run, you know, I've never run, I can't do three miles, I can't do five miles, no way will I do a marathon. It's the build-up. I said the same thing, and I was describing this to our partner yesterday, actually. Uh, We would do those three miles in the neighborhood, and I remember having that horrible side stitch, and you just wanted to quit. But I've always really worked it in with um, community and my social time as well. And I can't tell you how many running partners we don't even know we were running. This morning we ran an hour and we blabbed the entire time. So you just build up to it and you don't don't get too crazy too fast. Are you blabbing doing five-minute miles or are you blabbing? Doing like- <laughs> no, I do normal things now. <laughs> right. um, we live in a place with an amazing network of trails. So right. it's mostly trail running with lots of hills. So I would say um, we hold, I just gave birth to twins too, probably. Um, hold like an eight minute pace um i race faster but my social casual chatting one is in the eights so very very easy to come run with me so so but that's not the end of i mean not only do you mow the lawn with a scissor by yourself but you you just had twins which is unbelievable and um you're like super businesswoman too oh thank you so so how does that is that all you think from mom um no i feel like i'm failing at everything all the time (laughs) um i actually don't know where the business side of me came in my mom was a second grade teacher. My dad's a marine biologist, so there's not much business side in our family. Um, I'd always been that crazy tinker entrepreneur, like started uh, selling wooden woodworking things on the staff room table when I was in fourth grade to earn extra money. I, basically, I just like making money. Right. Um, so I would squirrel but was, it was that away. because the parents were having a tough time or you just wanted No, it was, I liked being able to do my own thing right. and I liked the feeling of squirreling away money, I think, and Got being to lo- able to loan my sister, my older sister, money. money. So I actually uh, got the bug when I came out to... Do, uh, to do college at Stanford 
and stayed around for my master's engineering. I did my undergrad in econ. Which is and pretty pretty standard. Pretty much everybody goes to Stanford, knocks out a master's <laughs> in engineering. and It was a good spot. <laughs> yeah. I, liked, I liked the people there. Good right. campus. Uh, but it was a great experience. And I was in a program there called the Mayfield Fellows Program in the engineering school. And that basically opened up my eyes to entrepreneurship. And from there, I worked at two startups. And then my first real people job was at a venture capital firm on Sand Hill Road. And I think that's really what got my start, my bug into the venture side. Well, let's back up. So, so you, you're um, wanting to make money at a young age. You go to a great school. You do well in school. But um, a lot of people can't, they're not motivated. Like where that motivation just life motivation. Like, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to run. I'm gonna, like, where was that coming from? That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I, I would have to say some of that uh, probably I would, I definitely would owe to my mom. Um, to juggle everything, she swam master's swim every morning at 4 a.m. And it was because it was the time that was never compromised. She could always get it in. Nothing else is going on. And you could still participate in all of the other things in your life. Uh, is any of this sounding strange to you? <laughs> yeah, it really didn't really It's starting to get more strange, really but okay. Uh, so. But I've always <laughs> known that for me, running has been a non-negotiable. So every job, every vacation, every business trip, I always have my running shoes and I always make time for it. I say I wouldn't shower if I didn't get my run in. Right. And so many people make excuses about I have so many other busy things going on. And I do too. Um, I get it knocked out in the morning because by the time it's happy hour it's happy hour right. and i just get it done right. and it and makes me a healthier but, but what, person but, but, so what if something does come up in the morning what if all of a sudden the twins or the lawn needs work or something <laughs> like how, what do you do there's always something and right. i i schedule it in this morning i ran i feed one baby i feed the other baby i pump i get out the door and if I look left or right, there's always something else to be done. But that hour for me is my time. So it's can... commitment and time management. Yep. Extremely. It, right? Extremely. So you commit and that's it. Yep. And you're committed for life at this point. Your yes. mom committed, I guess, for life. Yep. And luckily right. my husband is also an ultra runner. We always joke that if one of us were a brunch person and that was what we strove to do on the weekends, it just wouldn't work. So it helps um, being around people that also know what you care about and know that it's more than you. No, they say there's a great saying I picked up in the podcast, which is you're an average of your five best friends, right? So if like you're around that. a husband and you're around people that pull you up, well, that's what happens. I like that. There was another guy we interviewed who said, look, if you're um, constantly hanging out in pubs and watching you know, soccer games, that's where you'll be 20 years from now. So you've got to decide what you want to be. Yep. Right? I, I definitely agree. And it, it's my way to get both my vitamin D and my mental time and my best ideas come out on the trails. So just really able to be outside, too. Raining, too. You go out Raining, too. Yes. You love the rain. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. So now you're, in, you're, at, you're at Stanford. You get hooked. What happens if you pick the wrong business? Like, I would imagine Silicon Valley. I don't know much about it. But um, there's thousands of startups. Yep. Right? Lots of people pick the wrong ones. Definitely. And I think that's part of... Uh, what's so great about Silicon Valley. It's a very forgiving place. And I think most people here have picked the wrong one, probably one or two times. Has to be, because there's so few that are the right ones, right? Exactly. And, you know, it's baked into both the startup model and the venture capital model. And, you know, if you, venture firms often talk about if you take 10 companies, maybe one is the one that really returns those 10. Half of them are the ones you write off and go to zero. And then a few do pretty well, but usually there's a superstar. So um, it's 
going through enough of the ones that don't work to know the model, know what to look for, and then looking at the ones that do succeed and try to pattern match those things. And, and it doesn't just apply to, as I'm listening to, it doesn't just apply to business. It's a lot of people say to me they're in a relationship or they're in a job or whatever and they don't know if they should stay. Or I'm a big proponent of you know when you know and I think we all need to be really in tune with our gut about that type of thing. Uh, life's too short not to be doing something you like and that you feel good at. Yeah. And I think my number one um, thing is work with people that you think are great and that to your point of bringing you up, um, work with people that make you better and that you like to be around. Uh, and then the second is work in a location you like. I think life's too short and you say, how do you get everything in? Um, I hate commuting. And if you can do your work and your life in a, a similar place, like that is the holy grail. Live, live right where you were. Right, 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 right where, where you were. And during my time at Twitter, uh, those were some of the best people I've ever worked with back starting in 09 there. And those are people that I still see in the ecosystem and you either would recommend or definitely work with again. And I think you pick up those best people along the way. Um, we're supposed to take a break. I was having fun. I was going to keep going, but the camera person is, is signaling to take a break. Why don't we cut the lawn for a bit? All right. And then we'll come back. <laughs> Grab a couple of scissors. I'll help you. Hey, Joe, Colonel Nye here. Hey, listen, I've got some bad news for you. I got your message about coming on up there to Canada. But uh, I had plans to spend St. Patty's Day down here in Montserrat, you know, down in the Caribbean. Uh, so anyway, the parade's getting ready to start. I think you guys should go ahead and start without me, and I'll be there in a couple days. I'll check in with you later, man. Out here. Hey, Joe. It's Johnny here. Listen, I'm trying to get to that interview with, uh, with Elizabeth, and you told us we had to run there. But, dude, you're in Canada. You're supposed to give us the distance in kilometers. I think I see what you've done. You... Give me the distance in miles. Uh, I gotta keep running. Take care. Hey Joe, satellite phone finally defrosted. So on my uh, run to this podcast through the tundra, I came over a crest of a hill and saw this sled dog team. And well, Cordycep and Rishi and Chaga—they're they're my family now, Joe. And I'll be in touch next time we pass through a village. We are back. You have no idea how difficult it is to cut a lawn. But I said, we started in the corner. We barely got any done. And the neighbor, the neighbor does not use so you could hear it. So, so um, let's dive into your first job. All so, right. Out of Stanford. Uh, yes. And the path that you never can predict. But looking back, it all seems to make sense. Uh, so I was at Stanford within the engineering school. And there was a program I stumbled across called the Mayfield Fellows Program. And being an economics major there, the jobs I was only seeing were investment banks and consulting opportunities. So I was supposed to go to Bain for that summer and got into this program. And one of the requirements of the program is to work at a venture capital-backed startup. So I picked a startup. Uh, it, I joined as the eighth person. It grew to 130 people and back down to four wow. um, in about three years. And it was the most Amazing. You're in your 20s at this point. Yes, right? yeah. Right. Amazing learning opportunity. Um, from there, I went to another small startup. Because you saw you saw success and failure. Saw success, failure, everything along the way. I worked with great people. I, I've, It was the first time in my life that I learned that young people 
can take on a lot of responsibilities that they have no experience about if you're willing to ask smart questions and work hard. And I just had a blast there. So I say my first real people job out of Stanford was at Menlo Ventures. Um, I was an analyst there, went on to Institutional Venture Partners, another venture capital firm on Sand Hill Road. And For those those people out there, um, because I don't know how many viewers, listeners we have um, out here in California in Silicon Valley, just explain the Sand Hill Road is like, Sand Hill Road is the Wall Street of of, California, Silicon Valley. And venture capital firms are investing in startups, um, have usually a large pool of capital investing in startups and hoping that those those companies will succeed and help them along the way. Um, So we're two firms there, and during my time at IVP, that second firm, we made the investment in Twitter, and that was in the early days. and I got to know the company both socially and from the business side and realized... What was your instinct in the early days? Were you like, this is going to work? Or Twitter was early, and Twitter was quirky. So I don't think I can claim that I knew it was going to work. But what I did know is that everyone was working tremendously hard, having so much fun, yeah. and around a product that people were loving. Yeah. So I quit my job at the venture firm and went and joined Twitter uh, to start the Corp Dev team. Nice. And just absolutely had a blast there. And again, one of those situations where if you are willing to do, ask questions and take on new things, you could create your own amazing experience. Nice. Um, and stayed at Twitter and went on to spend about four years in Andreessen Horowitz, another venture capital firm. Um, and from there, I joined uh, a, my likely final venture capital mm-hmm. firm um, as a managing director and am um, fully investing there now. And so you're looking now for other Twitters. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And how is it? Is it getting overrun now with like so many startups? There are so many startups. I yeah. think that's what makes this game so fun. Uh, I work with people that I love. I look for great ideas, and yeah. we look for for great opportunities to uh, return capital. Are there a lot more um, companies investing, so it's harder? Are you elbowing it out now? I think differentiation is definitely key there. I think we're definitely seeing a change in the venture capital industry. There are lots and lots of firms. Um, my firm is u- unique in a number of ways, and so I th- think people are finding out more of their niche in the market now yeah. um, instead of just being money. What, what's, your, what's your guy's niche? What do you do? Uh, so we focus on the secondary space. So we provide a lot of founder liquidity, early shareholders. Um, so the guy, the guy or, or, or woman that wants to sell their shares at Twitter. Exactly. You, you, a portion of right. them. Uh, if People that have life events going on. So right. uh, need to buy their first home, sending kids to college, sick parents, things like that. Twins. Twins, yes. Heaven forbid. A few more pairs of scissors. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, um, so let's boil it down. Um, what do you think if you had if you had to say, hey, these three things? When I think back on my life, because you've been incredibly successful, uh, even with the family, what what takeaways are there? Like, what three things, two things, five things could we learn from from your experience? Yeah, um, very good question. Um, one of my things is always work with people that you like. I think great people empower you, make you a better person, and um, keep you doing the things you like. Um, The other thing is really carving out time for those non-negotiables in your life. And for me, um, one of those is my daily run, and I will not compromise that. Um, Other things, spending time with my family. It's a lot harder to juggle now with three kids. Sure. Um, but it's so much fun. And once there's a make, Spartan in there, too. Oh, we'll yes. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Oh, Matthew, our two-and-a-half-year-old, is definitely a future Spartan. Uh, so non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. Fam- right. yep. um, working with people you like. 
And then location is another thing. I, I think life is too short to be in a place that you don't like to do the things you do. And or your job or whatever, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so um, it's hard to know, though, right? Because, because nothing's ever perfect. Right? No, ever. Nothing's ever perfect. Ever. So I think people out there are saying, gee, I don't know. Because I get that question all the time. I'm sure you do too. Well, it's never perfect. Never perfect. Uh, I think you can always build and work on something. I think keeping that, you know, I, I like to say that everyone should have a small personal advisory board. Yeah. And those people should be peppered from weird spots in your life. So it might yeah. be an old professor or an old colleague or... Um, somebody that just knows you very, very well, and checking in with those people and having them um, be your gut check as you go through things in life. We've done 250 podcasts. We've never gotten that one. That's a good one, a personal advisory board. I have one. That's good. Hi. I got to get one. (laughs) Nice. It's helped. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I think that a lot of young people neglect in their career is really focusing on the fact that you just need to work really, really hard at the job you're at. And I think that is tremendously important, but I think you forget to make time for those other people in your life, like the random coffee break with an old friend or somebody that's also in that industry or ecosystem or another company. And I know I did this um, during my time at Twitter. We were so busy there. I never looked left or right. And when you pop up for your next job, you wish you had nurtured some of those connections along the way. Sure. And I say that you never, you rarely get a job by uploading a resume to a blindless site and every job comes from either somebody you know or something word of mouth and I just think um, to keep in mind throughout your career and your life to foster those relationships of people that you really just like spending time with so I have um, I tell my kids three things right you want you guys want to be successful my oldest is 11 so they're young and they're not really getting this yet but first one's work hard you can't gotta yep. work hard right two is network but I said it's not Facebook or LinkedIn yeah. it's like and they wouldn't really understand that anyway but it's more about exactly what you just said, right? Really having friends that would look out for you. And, um, and what I say is uh, you got to put $5 in before you can take a dollar out. I, I subscribe to that principle wholeheartedly, right. wholeheartedly. So just do things for people yep. as often as you can. And it comes back in, in spades. Yeah. And I say one of the jobs that I would love to do that I wouldn't need to be paid for is just connecting people. Yep. I like knowing what makes other people tick and connecting them along the way. No doubt about it. And then the third one, I'm not going to say. We'll post it somewhere. Oh, it's the third oh. secret. My kids um, I keep saying, Where, "Yeah, what's the third secret?" I what's want the third? the third secret. You already know it. I'll, I I'll don't tell know. You. I'll, when we turn the cameras off, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodbye. Now, now it's time we do burpees. Now <laughs> we do our burpees. We got to do our burpees. <laughs> was she awesome or was she awesome? Uh, I thought it was really interesting where, where she discusses how many women decision makers uh, there are at, at, in corporate America, and. Um, how many women uh, make investment decisions at, at the big um, VCs or, or private equity firms? Clearly, uh, she's a standout. And it's obvious that she would rise to that level, right? She, um, she had a mom and an environment growing up that set her up for success. Uh, she got to watch her mom wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and do the swims and, and fit it in. And so I think as parents, for those of us watching, I think... We really could take something away here that is, you know, whether we notice it or not, our kids are watching us. They're watching how we act, how we live. And so we owe it to them to uh, put in the extra effort. The other awesome thing uh, she tackled here that I think we could take away 
for all of us is this idea of non-negotiables. Figure out what they are in your life. For me, you know, it's health and wellness, and, and obviously she felt the same way, and every morning she's going for that run. So I don't know what your thing is out there, but, but I think we all need a list on the wall of our non-negotiables because if we want to get somewhere in life, it requires that kind of commitment. Three big takeaways, right? The non-negotiables we just spoke of. Always work with people you like. Look, we don't always get that opportunity, but, but we could spend some time to work on getting that opportunity because who wants to be miserable every day? Find people that aren't jackasses to work with and you'll just have a better day and a better week and a better month and a better life. Location. Location is key. My whole life I have worked where I live, even if that means living in the office. Or I remember my first business, you know, when I was doing swimming pools, I literally worked and lived in the warehouse. Um, not everybody's going to do that, but, but this idea of driving two hours a day or commuting two hours a day to a job, each direction is, is ridiculous. So for the 30 million plus people out there doing it, move to where you work. Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Smarten Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show, maybe in the woods. Smarten Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. 